always a joy to, to be with you, and uh, it's always a joy to get to uh, preach in the middle of the week. Uh, I, have, I already had one Bible study this morning that uh, we do at the YMCA at uh, 7, so uh, I'm, I'm charged and ready to go. I want to speak to you uh, today from uh, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And uh, a subject that uh, I think we need to address uh, because we have some people drifting away from core beliefs in the Gospel. And the title of this uh, sermon is Jesus is the One. Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 2, reading through 11. When John, that is John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. And truly I tell you, among those born of women, there's not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Give us us grace, Lord, that we can hear and understand what you'd say today uh, to your church. John had boldly uncompromisingly proclaim the coming of Messiah. In John 1.29 it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He pointed to Jesus and said, He is the One. But now some doubt has crept in to John's mind because Jesus is not doing what John presumed Messiah would do when he came. Now, true to prophetic tradition, understand that John had announced God's judgment on a sinful world. In Matthew 3, 7 and 10, listen to his preaching. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? 
Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. In other words, Messiah is coming, and He is going to judge sin. Now, to John, that recalled images like Isaiah 11.4. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. In Isaiah 13.9, See, the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger to make the land desolate and destroy sinners with it. And then there's Isaiah 13.11. It says, I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. But I will put an and I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty. That's what John expected Jesus to do. Now we must remember at this time there is no concept, no theological concept of a first and second coming of Jesus. From their perspective, twenty five hundred years, two thousand years ago, all they knew is when Messiah came, he was coming, he was going to do what he was supposed to do. Uh, it was not years after Jesus' resurrection and ascension back to heaven before the church understood that there were two distinct comings of Messiah and they could distinguish which prophecies uh, applied to which coming. The suffering servant of Isaiah 53 became the image of Jesus at His first coming. And the judge, the punisher of sin, became the image of Jesus when he comes again at what we call the second coming. But John the Baptist didn't have the benefit of all that uh, later understanding. At this point, John is in jail because he confronted the arrogant and the proud. He had publicly condemned King Herod and Herodias, his wife, for their adulterous marriage. I'm sure John expected Jesus to slay these wicked people, and to get him out of prison. But time went on, and John's still in jail. He began to have doubts. Surely he thought to himself, did I hear God correctly? Did I hear right? Did I point to the right man? Is Jesus really the Messiah? If he is, when's he going to get on with it? When, when's he going to get me out of this stinking jail? And when John's friends came to see him, which they did regularly apparently, surely he inquired about Jesus and what he is, what is he doing? Now we don't have a biblical account of what they told John about Jesus, but it might have gone something like this. Well, he does a lot of teaching about God and the kingdom of God that's coming. And he gets big crowds. He casts out demons and he heals the sick. But he really hadn't done anything about the political situation. And frankly, he doesn't seem interested in that kind of thing. He, he's saying things like, turn the other cheek, love your enemies. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God. Quite frankly, John, it looks like you missed this one, brother. Uh, 
Now, Jesus has done some miracles, but that doesn't prove He's Messiah. The, the prophets did miracles. John said, hey, you know, that's enough. I don't want to hear any more about it. There's only one, only one way to know for sure. Just go ask Jesus. Are you the one? Or should we look for another? You know to me about one of the most precious things about the Bible is its honesty. It doesn't try to hide failures, doubts, or fears of people, even the great men and women of God whose stories it tells. You know, I've been in that same prison where we find John the Baptist in this text. I've been stretched beyond my faith several times. Now, I'm not sure exactly how I got into those situations. I may have been too stupid or spiritually blind to see the way God had provided, and so I'd made bad choices and decisions and wound up in a, in a difficult situation. Or it may have been <coughs> that God led me there intentionally to teach me something. You know, many, many years ago, I would not have suggested uh, that John would do such a thing. Uh, I, I would have assumed that I just missed God somewhere. However, I am now convinced that God wouldn't hesitate one minute to stretch me as far as necessary if it, uh, to, to, to teach me an important truth. Look carefully at, at Matthew 4.1. It says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted of the devil. He was led there. Now, if you look in Mark's Gospel, he uses a stronger word to translate lead. It says he drove him into the desert. He pushed him out there. I'll never forget one day when I first started walking with the Lord, somebody gave me a little book by Oswald Chambers, quotes from him called My Utmost for His Highest. And I'll never forget one day I, my my... Word fell on this is December the second in the edition that I had then. This was back in the eighties, and this is what Oswald Chambers said. And you know, at that time I was learning a lot, and Oswald Chambers it was like God talking to me. That's how special that book was to him. He said this: If it was God's will to bruise His own Son, why should He not bruise you? had to change my opinion. Yeah, God would lead me, push me into the desert. Now, let's look at John's response to the question. You know, it's John's disciples come to Jesus and say, "We got." John's asked a question, something he wants to know. Are you the one that we've been looking for, or should we look for another? Now, listen to the response of Jesus again. Go back to John and repeat what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. And blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. So, 
I guess that's something of a rebuke to John, but, but it's a rebuke that's calculated to build faith and confidence. And, uh, you know, John the Baptist would certainly have known that Jesus was referring to the prophecies in Isaiah 35 and 61 concerning Messiah. Those were things that Messiah was going to do. Some of those things only Messiah could do. It's obviously these things that Jesus is doing had to be uh, from the anointing by God. And and so, uh, and John the Baptist knew this. This would confirm to John that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. But Jesus also knew that He was not presently fulfilling other prophecies concerning Messiah. That's what verse 6 is about. Now listen to it from the Amplified Bible. And blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied is he who takes no offense at me and finds no cause for stumbling in or through me and is not hindered by my actions from seeing the truth. Now, what Jesus is saying, make your judgments about me based upon what I am doing and what I have done. Don't base it on what I have not done yet. You see what I'm saying? Well, John needed to hear that. He really needed to hear it. Because not many days after this event that's recorded for us in history, a drunken Herod lusting after the flesh of his own stepdaughter, was tricked by his wife to order John beheaded. And when they grabbed his hair and pulled him down on that chopping block, he needed to know what he was dying for. He needed to know for sure, without any doubt whatsoever, that Jesus is the one. Now, my point is this. When Jesus comes to us, He may fulfill all of our expectations of Him. He he, he may just do that. I mean, early in my Christian life, it was that way. It was like I didn't even hardly have to pray for anything. I just needed to think about it. God was building me up. I was a wounded, injured uh, young man. Well, I wasn't too young. I was nearly 40, but... uh, but it, it was it was like it was like he just did everything for me. Like I I didn't even have to ask about it. And uh, but then again, <laughs> he may not. He may not do what we expect. Uh, just like he did with John, we may be looking out through bars of fear from a prison of doubt and crying out, Jesus, are you the one? Are you the one? Are you who I think you are? Are you Lord or not? Are you going to show me how to get out of this financial mess? Are you going to save my husband or my wife? Can this marriage ever be right? Is there any hope for my kids who own drugs? Can I ever be rid of this habit, this sin that keeps plaguing my life? Are you going to heal this disease? That's threatening my life, or am I going to die? Have I messed things up so bad that I'll never find victory? I need a Savior. I need a Deliverer. Jesus, are you the one? 
Or do I need to look for another? Still, the voice of Jesus rings loudly through the ages. Blessed, happy, and fortunate, and to be envied is the one who takes no offense at me and finds no no cause for stumbling in and through me and is not hindered by my actions from seeing the truth. What I'm trying to say to you this morning is that Jesus is saying to you and to me, I am the Lord, just as you have believed. So hang in there. Hang in there. Even though I do not do exactly what you want or when you want it done. I am perfecting your character. I am building up your most holy faith in your heart. I am preparing you for eternity. I'm preparing you for the things that are going to happen tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. Just hang in there. I know what I'm doing. You may or may not receive what you ask for, even in this life. But rest assured, eventually and ultimately, you will receive the blessing and healing of Almighty God. Jesus is the one and there is no other. Don't look for another one. No one else is coming. Jesus is going to return one day, but Jesus is the one. The one that God promised. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we ask You to deliver us from our arrogance. Deliver us from our uh, boldly presuming on Your grace and power. Forgive us when our expectations of You are what we planned, not what You planned. And help us to pray each and every day just as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it be Your will, do this or do that, or don't do this or don't do that, heal this, or make whatever, this adjustment of that for me. But help us to always end that as Jesus did. But not my will, but Your will be done. And Father, I'm willing to accept Your will and fulfill it on this earth. No no matter what it might cost me in this world. Thank You, God, for the promise of eternal life. Thank You for the hope we have that one day it's going to be all over, cut and dried. And Jesus is going to be on the throne. And all things are going to be right the way You intended. Thank You for the promise that we have the privilege of participating in Your coming kingdom. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, thank You so much for being with us today. And thank You for the privilege of
allowing me to speak with you today about the Word of God and about Jesus our Lord. Amen. Senhor, eu vejo o mundo triste, atribulado pela ação de Satanás. Clamando no escuro, correndo e olhando para trás. 